And you, it, it's, it's a, uh, when I say it's a privileged opportunity, I, I mean, unless you've been on this side of the podium, perhaps you don't understand what that means. It's just, it's, it's a spiritual charge that I get uh, to try to help somebody grow and deepen their faith to a particular, in a particular angle about believing God last week for healing. He is Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord who heals us. Stand strong. And I wanted to carry that theme forward into today. But um, conversations throughout the week and um, even as early as Sunday night following the prayer service have kind of shifted the direction, a, uh, shifted my attention a little bit different direction. And it's a, uh, it's a more of a challenging word. And it's a word that's set to the season that we're in, but it's also beyond it. It speaks to many of the things that we deal with in the culture. And so I'm going to mask the message here in the prelude of Halloween in this context, the children of light. Children of light, and I want to just ask you to pray with me, and uh, that as I've prayed privately, that preaching does come easy, that your heart really is receptive to the Word of God today. Now, a message like I'm about to share with you is a uh, message that the Scripture speaks of. It's a two-edged sword. It can divide. It can divide. Uh, your a. Um, it, it can it can produce a divided response. I just want you to know today. I don't stand in front of you today as a critique. I don't stand in front of you, certainly, hopefully not as a hypocrite. I stand in front of you as a pastor who cares for people, who believes in the Word of God, who's given us life to the study of these things. And if I can help you understand that there is a kingdom, a kingdom of light, but there's also a kingdom of darkness. And we have to not be ignorant, Paul said, of Satan's devices. So let's, let's ask God to help us here today. Amen. God, we love you, and we're so grateful for this opportunity. I believe the people have given me their sincere attention thus far. And now, perhaps even more, uh, Father, as the word comes forward. God, I know that the scripture says the enemy wants to come immediately and steal the word, but we bind the devil today in the name of Jesus to give him no place in our midst. But we bind also, as Joe has already spoken, of distracting thoughts and imaginations and anything that can deviate our attention from the truth of the word of God today. Speak with clarity and let us receive your word. It's in Jesus' name and all God's children said, amen. And you can be seated. I want to take just a moment as a prelude, and I wrote this question down here just very quickly, and that you can ask yourself, who are you? And, and now that certainly would demand a um, diverse response, but do you have, in this particular angle, do you have a discernible difference in your life between that and others that maybe you know? And I'm not talking about asking that question in a judgmental perspective or a critiquing of your neighbor, your friend, or your family, or your coworker, but is there a discernible difference in your faith and that of others, especially unbelievers? Oftentimes, we get caught up in cultural analysis, and we'll say things like this, well, we're all children of God. Well, in the sense that we were all born of one creator, yes, but there are two families that we can be a part of. And you have to be born into this family. You have to be born into the kingdom of light, and you have to be born by the Holy Spirit. Because if not, you dwell in darkness, and that's just the reality. I can't be more frank or blunt about it, and I uh, can't whitewash it for you here today. The old adage is that you're either saved or you're unsaved. You've either lost or you've been found. Right? You're either going to be welcomed into God's eternal kingdom, where, as Jesus said himself, enter thou into the joys of the Lord, or you're going to be driven away from the presence of God and cast into a lake that burneth with fire and brimstone. That's the gospel. That's the reality. That's the stark reality of what happened as a result of Adam's transgression in the garden when he sinned, and thus all men were born sinners as a result of that original sin and transgression. And so I do believe, and you've heard me say this before, that we should all arrive at the place in our lives where we are defined by our faith. Shouldn't be defined by necessarily your occupation. I don't want you to define me as my occupation being a pastor because I would hope that I would hold these principles and walk according to these same precepts whether or not I was pastoring or not. Hello? Right? And if you're a police officer or if you're a uh, teacher at school, those are uh, unbelievable occupations that we honor you for. But, you know, ultimately, you should want to be defined by your faith. 
You want other people to say, you know, that was a man or a woman of God, right? There was something discernible. There was a discernible difference in your life. And so Paul uses a phrase in the scriptures in multiple passages. He uses it a little bit differently. But in the passage of scripture we're going to focus on here in just a little while is children of light is the term that he uses, and he contrasts that in the same passage. Now, the passage is Ephesians 5. And we're going to glean it in a few moments, not right now. But he contrasts children of light with these other phrases. He said, you were sometimes darkness. Or previously, previous times, days gone by, your life was darkened. He said in this in the other passage, you were alienated from God. There was a, you were part of another kingdom. He said this, you were children of disobedience. He contrasts children of light with the unfruitful works of darkness. And so there's a point in our lives where we have to come to an awareness that God called us out of darkness. Paul said in the book of Colossians, you were called out of darkness and you were translated into the kingdom of God's eternal son. And you have to recognize that there is this distinction between these two worlds and we're all fighting for the same time and space right here on planet earth. And Ultimately, we know that Christ has won the great victory. And one day, the earth that is filled with corruption and sin and wickedness and it's decaying moment by moment and day by day will ultimately be renewed and restored because of his victory at the cross of Calvary. Amen? But until that time, you and I, are we are fighting for the souls of men. We're fighting to stake you know, our ground. We're fighting to establish the kingdom of God in the hearts and the lives of men. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 5. He said, you are children of the light and you are children of the day. Notice this. He said, you are not of the night nor of darkness. And this is a contrast and it is also a comparison in one sense to ancient Israel. Let me take a moment of time to tell you about ancient Israel and the church today for just a moment, a little bit of a, of a comparison. The church has come forth and evolved fruit through the, the, the children of Israel, God's chosen people, and the children of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. But we may remind ourselves of the Mosaic law that when God called Israel out of Egypt, there was a transfer of God's purposes upon the people. God had an eternal destination in mind. He had an eternal work in mind called the cross. But to get to the cross, he selected a people out of all the nations and tribes. He said this, I've chosen you. He plainly said that in the word of God. He said it wasn't because you were greater in number, because you were more faithful. He said, I have simply chosen you. It was the choice of God. God chose the nation of Israel. But he called them to be distinct. He called them to be separate. He called them to live a life and a lifestyle totally different than the nations that were inhabiting the world at that particular time. And especially to distinguish them from the inhabitants of the land that he was now sending them into. Many of you are familiar with what's called the promised land. Right? You're familiar with it's called Canaan's land. It was the land of their inheritance. It was the promise. The reason it was called the promised land is because God had promised it to Abraham. God had promised it to his descendants. And so, therefore, God said, when I send you into this land, and I, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it in its entirety, but I love Deuteronomy. It's the law, but it, and it's the Mosaic law, but it's speaking to the children of Israel as they're about to enter the promised land. And he said, I've called you out of Egypt, and I'm going to send you into this new land. But he said, you can't be like the people that are living there or that have lived there previously. And I'm just going to, I feel like I just need to glean it. Just real quickly, I won't read it in its entirety. I don't want it to take away all of my preaching time in here today, but it's just important that you kind of see a little bit of the conviction that kind of drives this in my heart today and what I believe helped drive the Apostle Paul's writing. Now, this is very much of an instructional message today, and it's going to be a little bit enlightening as we get a little bit deeper, but it's important that we have a solid foundation upon which to build. Right? It's important that we're all understanding the conviction that drove the Apostle Paul when he wrote the, the, the letter to the church at Ephesus that we're going to allude to in just a moment. As we look back to the book of the law, Moses told Israel, he said, when you come into the land which the Lord gives you, don't learn to do after the abominations of the other nations. You've heard me say that many times and reference this. He said, listen, he said, first of all, he said, don't let there be anybody pass his son or daughter through the fire. What does that mean, pass his son or daughter through the fire? 
That meant don't give your child over to child sacrifice in the worship of a pagan deity because there were tribes and there were nations in the land of Canaan that actually practiced the abominable practice of child sacrifice. That, you know, we celebrated the birth of one of our own this morning. But in that culture, they would take that child just born of his mother and they would take it to a, a, a large idol made of brass called Molech. And they would, that, it would be on fire, flaming heat. And they would take their child. Come on now. Some, I mean, these, this is real. This is not made up and imagined. This is real. Take their children and they would sacrifice it to a pagan deity. And God told Israel, he said, you don't do any of that. God said, I'm not asking for your child in sacrifice. God wanted their hearts, right, to surrender to him. And so he, and he went on and he said, not only that, but he said, who uses divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a neocromancer. I may not say it, perhaps, I may not pronounce it. I'm about to shatakaya mosia up here if I have to. <laughs> For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. Now, I understand this, that God loves people, but he doesn't love the practices of people, right? And these practices uh, were, were, uh, were, were destructive to human life. And so God said, don't follow their practices. Don't, don't follow the example that they have set. He said, Matt, don't listen to their prophets. God said, I'm going to raise up a prophet for you, like unto Moses. Follow him. Who was that prophet? It was Jesus. And so the children of Israel were charged with the responsibility of living in the midst of pagan nations and yet at the same time not being influenced, but rather to be an influencer. The children of Israel were expected by God to be a light to all the nations. And so when I say this today, perhaps that'll help you understand, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. And you and I as his children are called children of the light. We're called to walk in the light as he is in the light. But there's a lot of darkness around us. There's a lot of dark and evil practices. And one of the things that we need in the body of Christ today is we need discernment. Let me say this again, just go a little bit farther. A born-again believer in Christ should be able to discern and distinguish between light and darkness. A born-again believer in Christ who's received the indwelling Holy Spirit ought to be able to say, you know what, that's not of God. There's no light in that. Right? There's, there's no good in that. There's no God in that. So therefore, why should I add my agreement to that? Come on. And so I want to just challenge us today to open our understanding as we go to the Word of God. We should be able to distinguish between the light and the darkness because in God's light and His kingdom, there's glory. There's good. There's kindness. There's love. Come on, there's mercy. There's compassion. There's fellowship. But in a kingdom called darkness, there's evil. There's sorcery. There's the very real practice of witchcraft. There's deception, manipulation, corruption. And there are very real devils. I didn't say devil, but devils. Is that right? There, there is a real kingdom of darkness. Jesus himself referred to it. He's referred to it as a kingdom of darkness. He said, if the kingdom of darkness is divided, then Satan's kingdom cannot stand. And so you and I, as Paul would write later in the book of Ephesians, says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. The warfare today is not with pagan nations as they were to the ancient people of Israel when they went into the promised land, but our warfare is with principalities and powers. Did you know those pagan nations have long since passed away? that you can't find, you can only find the leftover remnants of those pagan nations such as the Jebusites and the Hittites, that you see the seven nations that were mentioned by, by God by name in the book of Exodus and also in the book of Deuteronomy. And you can only find in archaeology and digging out of the dust of the earth just little leftover uh, you know, uh, pieces of pottery and such representing those old nations that used to inhabit that area. But let me tell you, those nations passed away a long time ago, but those devils that influenced the ideology and the mindsets of those men and women are still alive today and they're still at work and Satan is still the master of, dece the master of deception and right and he may have changed his, his tactics and his tools but I'm telling you he still comes to steal, kill and to destroy 
And there's a blindness on the minds of many in the body of Christ. And we're giving place, as the Bible warns us not to, to the demonic spirits that will infiltrate into your family. And I'm going to share with you today, and listen, don't get mad at the delivery boy today. But I'm going to share the truth with you. And I want you to go with me into the Word of God as we are about to get into the book of Ephesians. Chapter number 5, we're going to read a few verses of Scripture and we're going to just walk it down for just a few moments. But as you do so, let me just prelude it for just a moment. Remember, Paul had gone to Ephesus and we've been studying on the, uh, in the book of Acts uh, on Wednesday night. And when Paul was at Ephesus, it was the longest place that he journeyed during his entire four missionary journeys. He spent two and a half years there. And he started with a small group of men that had heard about the baptism of John. And that's all they knew about God, really. But, 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 but he, he led them to Christ. He, they were baptized in water. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. He went into the synagogue. There was a synagogue in the city. And in the city of Ephesus, they were worshipers primarily of the occultic practice of the worship of the, of the goddess called Dinah. And, uh, or Diana. And, and in that passage of Scripture, we read about this and the conflict that arose from the growth of the church and the health of the church. But it wasn't just that worship of, of Diana, but there was other occultic practices. And, and, and there was a conflict that originally that became a, a war, not in words or not in weapons of warfare, but in the spirit, in the spirit. And ultimately, the growth of the kingdom of God began to agitate the works of darkness. And until so there was conflict after conflict, and ultimately it grew to the place where it was almost violent. But at the same time, if he, or excuse me, Acts 19 says, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. But let me tell you, anytime the enemy is dislodged, he doesn't go away without a fight. And, and, and without creating an uproar. But I'm telling you, God was doing good things at Ephesus, and Paul would write back later to them and warn them to guard themselves. And as a prelude to chapter 5, in the fourth chapter, I love this. You've heard me say it many times. He said this in the 17th verse of the fourth chapter. He said, don't walk as the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of your mind. He said, don't live a life that's like the people that are around you. I want to say this with all the faith that's in my heart today. It's this, there should be a distinction in the life of a genuinely born-again child of God and that of someone who doesn't know God and doesn't have the convicting power of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. And what's, a, what's, what's happening in our culture today is Christians have lost a little bit of their spiritual backbone. And we've lost our ability to stand up and say, you know what? You may practice those things and you may choose to do those things. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're aware that everything that happens is not all for my good. Everything that I can participate in in this world's system is not necessarily, does it doesn't have God's fingerprint on it. There's a lot of things that you can search with your microscope and you cannot find the fingerprint of God on it because God does not dwell in darkness. God dwells in the light and he's called us to walk as children of light. Are y'all with me in Ephesians chapter number five? Y'all feel this today? I can feel the enemy trying to fight me all the way. I can just tell you there's a warfare that goes on. And any time you begin to speak about these things, if I just come here today and give you just four little points in a poem and take you off to a picnic in Fairfield Bay, the enemy is not concerned about that. But if I come here and begin to speak about spiritual issues that could set a precedence for your family, a life and a lifestyle of either destruction or a life and a lifestyle of separation from that which is ungodly, I'm telling you the enemy is going to come in full force to steal the Word of God before it can ever become rooted in your heart and life. But I come to say today to say this right here. The devil is a liar and he's defeated and God is glorified. And the word's going to go out. The word's going to go forth and we've got to be prepared to receive it. Paul writes in chapter five, he says, therefore, if you're a follower of God, if you're, you're a follower, you're at least interested in God or you wouldn't be here today. Is that right? And if you're a follower of God, then you need to walk like God. That's what he's saying in one sense. He's saying, walk in love as Christ has loved us. And there's some people think, well, that's all the kingdom of heaven is about. It's just a love. It's like this. It's almost like the, 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 the free love movement of the 60s and 70s has jumped into the church and we've masked it. Mas it just masquerades in, in how we're supposed to feel and be passive and not be assertive and just accept everything. Well, that's, you know, love is a part of the kingdom. But sometimes there's a spiritual assertive needs to be voiced, and it's still voiced out of love. 
I'm gonna tell you, there are things I protected my children from, and I told them no, right? Born of love, right? No matter what attitude I got back. But I didn't get a lot of attitude back because I had a rod at my house. I don't know about you. Because the Bible says, never mind, don't get me going off. I'll deviate, and I'll struggle to come back. Walk in love as Christ loved us, has given himself an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. We've got to read quickly. He said, but notice this. Let me say, fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named once among you as becometh saints. And I could preach all day right there to the American contemporary church. Hello? Right? I better move on for the sake of time, but I could. What about this one? Neither filthiness. I mean, God spoke to filthy. He's not talking about if you work in the oil field and you get oil on you. No, he's talking about your lifestyle, a filthy lifestyle, filthy mouth, right? No place for it in the kingdom of God, right? Somebody needs to tell Steve Harvey, if you're really born again, you need to get your speech a little bit better. Hello, right? Well, let's go, because the scripture tells us, no, not just foolish talking, not filthiness, not jesting, which are not convenient, but what? But the giving of thanks. We use our mouth to give God thanks. He said, but know this, no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So Paul, he drew the line and said, you're either a follower of Christ and you're walking as a dear child of God or you're a child of this world, a kingdom of, uh, part of the kingdom of darkness, the children of disobedience, as he said in the sixth verse, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not you therefore partakers with them. Unfortunately, in America today, we have churches and we certainly have, we have, uh, we have uh, uh, ministry that's afraid to address even judgment day issues, even just the reality of heaven or hell. Uh, there are churches that don't want to mention these things because they don't think that that is, uh, you know, will, will affect their, their, their congregation and it'll be it'll agitate. Listen, I didn't write the book. Right, this is not my story. This is God's story, right? And the reality is this, real quickly. He said right here, you're either a child or children of darkness, disobedience, or you're of the kingdom of Christ. He said, be not a partaker of them or with them. Let's go on. Now, this is who we used to be. I love this in the eighth verse. We were sometimes darkness. Previously, in our past, we didn't know God. That's why we have compassion for people. That's why we're not judging them or critiquing them. We are here to be an example unto them, to tell them there's a brighter day. Come on, there's a greater kingdom. Come out from among them. Be different. God loves you. You were sometimes darkness. Now you're a child of the light. Isn't that what it says? You're light in the Lord. So what are you supposed to do? If you're a light in the Lord, what are you supposed to do? Walk. Is he not contrasting that there's a different way to live life? Going all the way back to the fourth chapter, Without going back to reread that passage, isn't God contrasting by the author, Paul, here that there's a distinction in your life and lifestyle that when you previously didn't know God through Christ? There should be a change that should be worked in our lives. Let's go farther. Ninth verse, the fruit of the Spirit. So there it is. These are some of the, Paul just quickly mentions briefly, the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And it proves what is acceptable unto the Lord. There should be conviction inside of us that we can validate whether or not God's fingerprint is upon something or not. Let's go a little bit farther. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But rather, well, I'm going to read it anyhow, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things are reproved, are made manifest, or exposed, are made manifest by the what? By the light. For whatever doth make manifest is the light. So here Paul says, awake, if you sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you do not walk circumspectly, not as, or see then that you do walk circumspectly, which means cautiously. We need to walk cautiously in this culture in which we live. Right? Do we not need to make decisions with caution? Christian convictions dictating our decisions in life. Let's go a little bit farther. He said, so don't be as a fool, but be as wise. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Look at this. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
Let me just say this as we just kind of process this for a moment. One of the great challenges and marks of growth for a believer in Christ is discerning the unfruitful works of darkness. That's a mark in your life. When you're new to the kingdom of God and you just came out of darkness, you might not immediately be able to discern the difference between that which is good and that God can add his blessing to in your life and that which is evil and you need to learn to avoid. One of the distinguishing marks of spiritual growth in your life is that you now, as you mature, become able to discern the kingdom of darkness from the kingdom of light. And you're able to say, you know what, sometimes past I used to do those things, but no longer. Why? Because I've had a revelation of the Word of God, of how that the enemy was striving to get a stronghold in my life. Knowing, listen, listen to this, this is what we as believers strive for, knowing what we can do, what we should do, in comparison to what we cannot do or should not do, both in practice or participation both in our personal lifestyle choices, our activities, and in our entertainment. Here's the reality. Let me share it with you today. In the darkness that Paul is alluding to dwells a very real kingdom. Just like, let me tell you, when cold season comes about, microscopes and scientific discoveries have given us the ability to understand that there are germs that cause many diseases. And so cold season comes about, you can't see it with the natural eye, but I'm telling you, you sure putting Germex, you're lathering up in Germex before you go out in the public. Sometimes I see some of you wear a mask even. Sometimes you got gloves on. You go to a doctor, a hospital, they're going to put some of that on you just to go visit a patient because you might be a carrier. Now, on the outside to the natural eye, you can't see it, but we now know that they're present and they can be harmful, that which we call germs. But see, the, the, there is not a scientific microscope anywhere that can discern into the spirit world other than the Word of God. And the Word of God allows us to see what's just outside the normal vision that God's given us in the natural. And in that world are demonic spirits and powers cast down to this earth abiding in darkness whose utter purpose is to steal, kill, and to destroy. They're angry at God because he's cast them out of heaven. And they want to come against God by, destruct, by destroying the thing that God loves the most. And what is that? That's you. They want to they come against the Father for casting them out of his presence and not redeeming them. God did not choose to redeem fallen angels, but he chose to redeem fallen mankind. And so there's going to be an age-long conflict between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God's dear Son until the consummation of time at the return of the conquering King Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen? And so you and I have got to be discerning of this kingdom, a demonic kingdom, who the enemy of light will, uh, will do and use anything to get what we call a stronghold in your life. Even if you're, not, if you're born again and you say, I'm not in his kingdom, that doesn't mean his warfare against you stops. At a, as a matter of fact, it may have just, it might accelerate, right? Because he hates you above all others now. Because you've got the one thing he could not get, and that's redemption. And so you and I, again, become aware that Paul said he has schemes, he has devices, tactics and tools. He's a deceiver. He masquerades as an angel of light, the Bible says. He hides behind religion, false teaching. He hides behind ideologies of your families and friends. There is a generation in America today that has a great fascination with sorcery. It's real quiet in here today. Lord Jesus, give me the strength and the boldness to preach it anyhow. So I look back to you for the aid and the help of the kingdom of God. Let me say it again. There's a new and a great fascination with sorcery and witchcraft far deeper than when uh, bewitched used to come on and the little gal used to twinkle her nose. It's far deeper and darker than in those days, right? In our time, as in Acts 19, if you were to take the time at Ephesus, when people got saved, the Bible says they came out of darkness and they brought their curious arts and their books and they burned them to the degree, the price of 50,000 pieces of silver because they knew that they were separated from darkness and brought into God's light 
and they realized that the practices that they used to be involved in were not uh, healthy towards their spiritual growth. Matter of fact, they hid demonic spirits and practices. And so in our time, in those days, the writer called it curious arts and books. In our time, it's books, comic books. Let's go, I'm telling you, the comic books of today in contrast to the comic books of uh, 40 years ago, listen, I'm telling you, the enemy has found a stronghold. Let's go farther. I'm preaching better than y'all are talking back to me. I'll just keep going. Music. Music. I mean, the culture is inundated with all types of occultic music and, and, and practices and, and, and words and things that we speak, and it gets down in our mind, and we got a beat inside of us that is not, that, that's not born of holiness and righteousness. Let's go farther. What about television shows? Listen, you, not, not just made-up TV shows today, not just shows like Bewitched and Days Gone By that was just, I mean, we've got shows that follow mediums. We follow spiritualists and people that practice, uh, you know, witchcraft, and they're following, I mean, real people. You know, uh, what do they call the shows that are? Reality shows. Reality shows following people practicing the dark arts because the dark arts are being painted to be like a white art in our culture today. Let me go a little bit farther. Listen very carefully. Well, let me just say this. That's television shows. And then Hollywood with the movies, it's unbelievable the things that are coming out today. The venue of entertainment is what we're going to talk about in just a moment to kind of close. But listen, listen very carefully. The media can become a medium. I want to say that because that came to me in my own prayer time. And I want to echo it today. What do you mean, Pastor? The media, which media I'm going to define as both books and music and television and movies can become a medium, which means a medium is a conduit of demonic spirits and activity. When you think about a medium, you think about one that consults with and channels evil spirits. Well, let me say this today. So too can a book. So too can a magazine. So too can a television show. And so too can a movie. Because you'll eventually give place to demonic spirits if you can let those things infiltrate your mind and your personality. You will find yourself acting different, talking different. You'll wonder why your child is acting like a little devil. Go see what that little child is reading. Check what games they're playing. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better. I'm telling you the truth today. This is real. This is real. We've got to be aware of these things. Let me go a little bit farther. This is where you'll even want to. Uh, matter of fact, JoJo, you're going to be my, my armor bearer today. Go start the van. What about even a Halloween costume? What about even a Halloween costume? See, the enemy searches for an access point in your life. Doesn't he? He does. American Christians are more suspect in entertainment than in any other area. More than politics, more than even our religion, we are more suspect to the work and the infiltration of demonic spirits and entertainment than in any other area of our lives. We will look at a pagan religion, a pagan practice of idolatry, and we'll kind of shun that and we'll say, well, we worship God. While all the while we'll sit in front of a medium of television and we'll watch shows that are filled come on now, with, with, with sorcery or with witchcraft or with violence or with sensuality, I'm going to just keep on going. What you watch, what you read, what you listen to, listen to, and what you participate in is either going to have a positive or a negative impact on your life. And listen, and I know that many times our entertainment choices are not addressed specifically in the Scriptures. I'm no, I'm, I can't tell you, well, if you'll turn to the book of Colossians, Paul will tell you what channels you can watch and what channels you can't watch. It doesn't work that way. But what does work is discernment gets developed inside of you, and it doesn't take long between uh, in spiritual growth before you have discernment, and you say, you know what, this is a simple show that's just entertainment. I can't say there's any good in it, but it's not filled with evil, and something that you say, you know what, that is grossly evil, and the demonic handprint is all over it, and I don't want any part of it in my life or my household. Right, That should be rising up inside the children of God. But unfortunately, I think we're being led like lambs to the slaughter. And I came today to not to criticize you, but to encourage you. To encourage you deeply. 
let me say this. My question today is, where is the discernment in the body of Christ? Where's the sanctification? I wrote this question in my preparation. Why do we participate in or support or watch venues that open our minds and our hearts to the occult? Right? To witchcraft, to devils, to idolatry. Let me give you a gross analogy of this real quick. Let's go farther. Lust and sensuality. If you were walking past the road or walking down the road of a neighborhood and a door was open and inside you found that there was a, a men and women and there was a, a, a gross gathering of sexual immorality, would you sit, slide in, open the door, pull up a chair and watch it? But then you will bring it into your living room, right, under a Hollywood title, gather sometimes with other people and watch it and wonder why your children, come on, why you have a tough time reeling them in and walking holy before the Lord because you gave place to it in your family. And so I'm not coming to criticize you. I'm coming to help you today. The enemy has subtly come in and built strongholds in our minds and we've not had the courage to rise up and say, you know what? What I don't know, I can't address. But what I know, I can speak to in the name of Jesus. And I can give no place. If we had read back in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, Paul said, God, give no place to the devil. Let spiritual discernment dictate your choices. Why are born-again Christians watching or reading books with horror movies? Oh, it's Halloween time, I know, 30 days before Halloween. I'm telling you, every Friday, the 13th movie, it goes all the way to Friday, the 17th, the 18th, the 19th, the 20th, the 21st. The tw- they're running the whole order. Uh, you can see Jason. You can see all the slashers, all that. You can watch it 24-7. And then wonder why you can't sleep at night. Horror movies, occultic movies. See the things that are happening in our culture today. See the shows that are being advertised. So many things are attempting to pull us into that world and that lifestyle. Violent movies and sensual movies, on and on. And I know for the sake of time, I can't fully address all these things. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to dictate your conscience for you. I'm trying to teach you a spiritual principle that gets down inside your spirit that works with your conscience. And then you make a conscious choice because you're aware that you're a child of God. You've been called out of darkness, and you don't walk in darkness. You walk in the light. You walk in love and you walk in grace and you don't want to feed your life and your faith with something that is degrading and demonic. And the Holy Spirit is grieved. If you're filling your life with those things, let me tell you, the Spirit of God inside you is grieved. He's grieved and he wants you to repent before the Lord. You know, what about Halloween? We're on the precipice of Halloween and you can make this argument and I don't have time to develop this thought altogether. You can say, well, is it just another holiday? Did you know Halloween is the second uh, uh, most involved holiday in America today behind only uh, Christmas? Americans spend more money on Halloween than, than celebrating our independence, celebrating Easter, celebrating Thanksgiving. We spend more money to put Johnny and Susan in a little witch and warlock outfit and go fill their bags full of candy. Hello? Now listen, by hosting a fall festival, the reason why we chose this year to not have a fall festival is because originally, I believe the motive of the church was pure. The motive of the church was pure because we were attempting to provide a deterrent. But see, what we were hosting had no longer become a deterrent. All we were doing was help facilitate what was already happening in the community. And so there, what we did was we backed up, and we had to challenge our own selves in doing so, and we asked ourselves the question, is there really any good that comes out of it? Is there any godliness that comes out of it? Are we influencing the kingdom in any positive way? Did you know it took us typically every year $1,000 to $1,500 to just provide the candy? In 10 years' time, that could be two churches built in India that we spent on just putting candy in kids' bags under the, I believe what was originally a pure motive, trying to keep the kids out of something worse. But we found ourselves, again, only facilitating something 
rather than creating the deterrent. And so many people, here's what's going on in many of your minds right now. Many are saying, well, pastor, it's just pretend. It's not real. Pastor Brown, you are way too conservative and religious. Now listen, as you say those things in your mind, you're simply confirming the doctrine that I've came to preach. Oh my gosh, I caught you. The enemy's already got a stronghold in your life, a deception of darkness. Here's the normal Christian response. My kids won't understand. My kids, uh, why, why, my kids will not understand why everyone else can dress up, but they can't. Here's my response. It's quick and it's sharp. When you don't have the courage to tell your children no to the things that might give place to the devil in their lives, then you've already given place to the devil, and he's got a stronghold in your life. I'm going to say it one more time. The normal or the, the, the familiar Christian response, anytime that we address these things, we say things like this. This is the response. My kids will not understand why everyone else can dress up and participate in these things, but they cannot. My response is quick and sharp to you and to myself. When we don't have the courage to tell our children no to the things that might give place to the devil, then we've already given place to the devil, and he's got a stronghold in our lives. Because faith demands a response. So let me ask you as we close, what does these words mean to you personally? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. What does that mean to you personally? Part of this message was, I'm going to just share real quickly. Part of this message came twofold. Recently we had an incident in one of our children's lives, adult children, that after, uh, it was, a, it was a, an agreement, and I can't go into all the details, but one of their uh, close, I'll just say, just someone very close to them had uh, participated and read uh, of the book called It, okay? And then from there, they went to see the movie. And then from there, they proceeded to have the, the, the presence of an evil spirit in the home. And then when things was found out, we knew. And so other brown children went directly to brown child that had given, that knew better, and I was very proud of other brown children because other brown children said, you know, the one that you're close to may not know better, but you know better. And they said, I know, and I'm wrong. And so they took and they handled that situation in repentance. Thank God. Thank God, because you're going to give place. You put that stuff in front of you, I'm telling you that that's the doorway for the enemy to come in. And, and this conversation, and I'm being very honest here today. Right? Very transparent in front of you. So I'm not up here a hypocrite saying that we don't deal with these things even in our family with adult children. We do. We deal with these things because the culture wants my kids just as bad as he wants yours. The enemy wants to pull them that direction until we eventually rebel against God. That's the ultimate goal of the devil is that you will follow his example and you will rebel against God. And if he can keep you in that lukewarm state long enough... You'll eventually grow cold to the things of God and warm to the things of darkness. Well, in conversation about that, as in private with others, and I'm going to just be frank. I'm not going to call any names. I'm not going to address anything. But we, we talked about this openly among ourselves in private, private amongst ministry and staff and others, and we were visiting together in private. And Shane shared with me when he was so grieved because locally when that, when it, and I don't know anything about that movie other than it was, it's, I mean, just... If you can't come up with a better title than it, then you, you, I'll just leave it right there, okay? You can figure that one out. So there's a lack of some kind right there. And so Shane told me, he said, he was shocked when he got a text from somebody that sent him a text who was in line the night that it was opening here at Heber Springs, and he took a selfie as he was going, and he's a worship leader, at one of the, uh, the worship leader at one of the most prominent churches in Heber Springs, but without spiritual discernment. So going to be down there in, with it on Friday night or Saturday night and then up with a guitar in their hand on Sunday morning trying to lead people into the presence of God. So what does this mean when the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate? What does it mean to us as Christians when he said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them? 
I'm challenging you today as a believer, have the courage to live a life that's distinct even at times from other Christians. If there isn't any conviction or discernment in your life as it relates to entertainment choices, then the enemy has a stronghold. I'm saying as I close, if this sermon or message is irritating to you and you cannot wait for me to finish and you regret coming this morning, then the enemy has a stronghold in your life. I love you enough to tell you the truth. He will lay hidden like a snake in the grass till one day you wake up and you say, how did I get in this position I'm in right now? And I'm going to be honest enough, it could be because when you gave place to the tools and the tactics, the resources, the media became your medium and the devil came in and a destroyed and a destructive life and lifestyle is the end result. A demonic deception is plaguing our American culture to include the entertainment industry and Christians are being deceived. Listen to this. We are not wrestling with principalities and powers as we should. We are petting, caressing, and giving place to them. When the Spirit of the Lord moved in Ephesus, people came out of darkness. They came out. They brought forth the objects or the mediums of their darkness, books, etc., and they burned them. We need such a work of the Holy Spirit in our midst today. I want to I want to close with you real quickly. I want to close. You got to you got to grow and mature. This is this is this is I can't follow you along. I don't want to. I don't want you to receive this message and say, "Well, Pastor Brown is he's this old judgmental preacher and all those things." No, I love you enough to say, "Listen, I've given my life to study these things out, and I've recognized I'm not a doctor. I don't I, I don't have a microscope, but the Spirit of the Lord through the Word of God has showed us there's another kingdom out there." that wants to pull us into, and it doesn't have the fingerprint of God on it, doesn't have love and grace and goodness and kindness, but it's pain and suffering and sorrow and it's distraction and detention and contention and it's, it's evil and it's, it's, it's murderous, right? All the evil that you can think about and it will use any tool it can to pull you into that world. And as a child of God, you should arrive at the place where you say, you know what? I was called out of darkness. And when you recognize that, let me tell you what begins to happen in your life is you begin to change your lifestyle. Nobody can change it for you. We can't go alongside you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to think evil of you. I'm going to grieve for you. I'm going to grieve for you because I know uh, what the end, I know of his tactics. As a pastor, we're there to try to help people's lives be put back together. And sometimes it's too far gone. The enemy's just come in and he's devastated and it's because the people gave place to the adversary. I remember this. I'm going to go ahead and make this personal. I've done this a couple of times before as I close just real quickly. But when I, was, um, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at 17 years of age and was beginning to walk in the call of ministry, that presence of God in my life began to agitate the things that I had given place to. You know, every teenager has things of the flesh and the carnal appetite that we had given place to. Hello? Right? And... And I, you know, and I wasn't somebody that, you know, you know, I was such an outstanding athlete that I was protected from a lot of those things. It's all just fun, people. Okay. Um, but I remember as a kid, though, and you've heard me say this, I think, two other times over 14 years I've shared this. But I, I, I read comic books coming up like almost every boy does. But I went from the comic book of Superman and Batman and those kind of things to Conan. Conan the Barbarian. And Conan was an adulterer and an idolater and a fornicator and a drunkard, but he had big muscles. And when you look like Pee Wee Herman, sometimes you are kind of drawn to people that have a physique that you cannot have or do not have. And so that was probably the pull. And so I, I, I bought the comic books as I grew and grew up some, and right even when I was uh, about 14 or 15, I was able to secure, um, there was a magazine called The Savage Sword of Conan. The original issue came out in 1974, and somebody in Little Rock was selling some, and I was able, I'd saved up my money, and I'd bought the first 30 copies, and they were like in mint condition, and I kept them for a long time. 
And uh, so now, I mean, that's 40, 50 years, 40 years ago, 40 something, yeah, 40 years ago. Um, but when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and my spiritual discernment, everything changes. Come on, when you draw closer to the light, it exposes the darkness in your own life. And, and so Sherry and I got married, and I was at my first duty station, and we was down there for just a few months, and I no longer read those, I've been, I had been, but I kept them. I no longer read them, I never looked at them, and I said, I need to get rid of those. I said, I'm gonna sell them. And then I thought to myself, well, why? And I'm 19 years old, and I'm an airman basic in the United States Air Force. Sherry and I just moved to Alexandria, Louisiana, and, but the Holy Spirit was working in my life. And I knew, even though I no longer read them and no longer participated in them, I said, you know what, I don't want them in my house. And so then I said, you know, I'm going to sell them. And I said, but wait a minute, why do I want to pass, right, this tool of the enemy all over to someone else? But still my carnal, fleshly man struggled. But I can still remember the day that I put all those magazines in a brown paper bag. And I walked from my apartment complex there in Alexandria to the dumpster. And, I, and they were sealed on top too. Hopefully no one saw them and no dumpster diver went in there and go like, Conan. <laughs> Hopefully that didn't happen. But I still remember though the journey down the steps because that had gratified fleshly appetite as a young boy. But now there was a pull in my spirit, the spirit of God, to live a life distinct and separate from the world. And I was now being, uh, my eyes were being enlightened to how the enemy could get a stronghold in me. And I didn't want that stronghold in my life or my family or my children, which I didn't have children at that time. But I knew that that was a precedence that needed to be established. But I'm telling you, my fleshly appetite did not want to, but my spirit wanted to. And thank God in that moment, the spirit gave me the strength to overcome the flesh. And I dumped those magazines in the dumpster. Now, I'm saying that only to show you today that it takes courage and it takes commitment and it takes a willing to be distinctly different. And so I'm not gonna follow you to your house. I'm not gonna, if I do go to your house to visit someday, I'm not gonna be there with a pen and paper and say, this is good, this is not good. You gotta follow the Holy Spirit. You gotta feed your faith and then listen for his voice. Remind you with this as we close. You're children of the light. Don't walk in darkness. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed. God, today I've shared the word of God.